Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Exodus 24, I'm going to read the first two verses and then skip down to verse 9, read about four verses. Exodus 24, I'm going to read the first couple verses, skip down to verse number 9 and then read a couple more verses. Amen. So we got a group that's going to be gone this coming week, going to National Youth Convention. There is still service here on Wednesday night. Bishop will be here ministering the word of the Lord. Amen be ministering the word of the Lord so come and be a part of that hallelujah in that service who knows what God might do in that service we're not playing hooky we're going to be in church too we're going to be in church too so uh, I think well they're going on vacation so I'm going to take a vacation because they're gone no we're going to be in church we're going to be matter of fact most times that I'm gone and not here I'm still in church quite frankly on a few rare occasions like a few weeks ago I wasn't but most of the time if I'm not here I'm still in church <clears throat> Exodus 24 verse number 1 the Bible says and he said unto Moses come up unto the Lord thou and Aaron Nadab and Abihu seventy of the elders of Israel and worship ye far off Moses alone shall come near the Lord. But they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. Skipping down to verse 9, the same chapter. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the Lord, they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone as it were the body of heaven in his clearness and upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand also they saw God and did eat and drink the Lord said unto Moses come up to me into the mount and be there and I will give thee tables of stone and of law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them Thou mayest teach them. The first few verses tell us a little bit about what I will talk about tonight. and Kind of just continuing in the vein where I was this morning talking about shedding innocent blood and how that really relates to worship gone bad and how God wants us to listen to the podcast when it comes out. I don't got the time or the energy in me to go back through that. But I'd like to minister tonight this. Stations of worship stations of worship there were those that were worshiping near as Moses was called to come to do there were those that were worshiping afar off and then there were another group that was even beyond that if we were to state it like that there were those that were worshiping on the perimeter of everything and according to where your station is in worship that will impact and affect your perception of God. 
that will impact your perception of God. And so I want to talk tonight about stations, stations of worship. Hallelujah. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I come to you this evening. I'm asking, oh, Lord God, your help, Lord, in the next little while to, Lord, minister, Lord Jesus, the word of the Lord in this place. God, that you're able to help us, Lord, tonight, God. Speak to us, Lord Jesus, through your word. Direct us, guide us. Lord, let the Holy Ghost anointing of the Lord, God, move up on our hearts and lives. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, God, bring clarity, Lord God, to everything that is said, God, in the moments forward from this point in time. God, and we'll be grateful unto you and thankful unto you, Lord Jesus, for what you do and for what you accomplish. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah. In the church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I was doing a little calculate before service, and since this is year number seven of being pastor here, and we'll start year number eight next year, I've already preached a little over a thousand messages to you all in the past seven years, whether it be teaching or, or, or preaching. And so here we go yet again. Amen. In the house of the Lord tonight. And it's been a busy day. My daughter had a piano recital this afternoon and went and was a part of that. Uh, I figured that she's usually a part of almost every speaking or teaching engagement that I have that I can at least take an hour or two out of my Sunday afternoon and go to a recital of hers because she hasn't missed too many of mine since she's been born. <laughs> That's to say that and whenever I left her today, they had refreshments, and before I left, I left and didn't stay from the refreshment. I said, honey, I said, Daddy's going to go prepare for his recital. Amen. Here just a little while, and so uh, Amen. Stations of worship. So Exodus 24 gives us some examples here in the scripture of what I would call three different stations of worship. There was a group of people that was, as Moses, just one that was called into a very close, close time of, of, of proximity, if you will, to the Lord, to worship the Lord close. There was yet another group along with Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and some of the elders that were at that position of a far off, a far off worship. But then there was the rest of the nation of Israel that, that was on the perimeter of things to also worship the Lord. It was Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, the 70 elders there that, that witnessed as it were the Bible says the presence of the Lord, a paved work of sapphire stone that was under his feet and the body of heaven in his clearness. The experience of their worship at that afar off position or that afar off place, the Bible says is that it was composed of eating and it was composed of drinking. However, Moses, the man of God of the hour, is called by the voice of the Lord to come near, come near unto God and worship. And the experience that Moses has from that vantage point is quite different from those at the afar off vantage point and even more so than those that were on the perimeter. His experience is different. It's in that closeness to the Lord that closeness relationship, that closeness worship spot, that the Bible said that God would convey his law to Moses. 
that God would convey the commandments that are desirable unto him and pleasing unto him. If I may say it like this, it's in that place of Moses' close relationship with the Lord that Moses really got to know God. He really got to know the desires of the Lord. He really got to know the likings, if you will, of the Lord. Forty days and forty nights, Moses is in that near worship experience with the Lord. And God shares with him during that time the whole pattern to the tabernacle of the wilderness is the place where the Lord wanted to come down and dwell and be with his people. Out of that close worship relationship that he would have with God, God would share with Moses how he likes to be worshipped, the manner and the way in which the nation of Israel should worship him and should approach him. And it's I understand then that it's when we get in that near worship experience with God that God will begin to share things with us that he doesn't just share with every other individual. It wasn't the whole nation of Israel that got insight concerning the manner and the plan and the venue of worship at first. It was not Nadab and Abihu and Aaron that got that type of intel to begin with. No, it was Moses that got that first hand, amen, about what God desired and what God wanted because he was willing to go the distance of getting a little closer in his relationship and in his worship unto the Lord. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that the church of Pergamos was taken, the Bible says they were taken by the doctrine of Balaam and by the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Balaam could not curse in the Old Testament. He could not curse God's people. Every time he tried or attempted to curse God's people, he could only bring blessing upon them. And so God taught them, though, a lesson in all of that. Because Balaam could not curse God's people, he would teach them, them, the Moabites, that is, how to come in among God's people and corrupt God's people. Amen. That corruption would be a compromise. We can't curse them, but I'll teach you how to corrupt them. And you'll corrupt them by compromise. And basically what he did was this. He deceived them by means of the Moabites. He deceived then God's people into thinking that they could serve two masters, that they could serve two gods, that they could give their allegiance to the creator of the universe, and they could give their allegiance to those things that have been created by the hands of men. In other words, what Balaam then did, he couldn't curse them, but he came in and toyed with the Israelites. He began to toy with their worship. Someone say amen. The Bible says in Revelation 2 and verse number 17, he that hath an ear, and they won't have these, and I apologize, but he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden, everybody say hidden, the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saveth he that receiveth it. In other words, there the Bible portrays here of the hidden manna in the scripture. There is only one place where manna was hidden. There's only one place that manna was concealed, and that was in the golden pot that was within the Ark of the Covenant. 
That's the only place. Every day during their wilderness travels, it would fall as the dew fell upon the ground, and it was before them. But they were told to take a omer, I believe it was, and put it into the golden pot that was within the Ark of the Covenant, which was in the holies of holies. That was the only portion of hidden manna there was because manna normally would dissolve whenever the sun would come out. Manna normally would be infested with worms if, if it were left over to the next day. Amen. The normal man would experience contaminated manna if it were left over to itself. But God told the Pergamos church that if they would overcome, if they would, if you will, get their worship Corrected, which what they were addressing them about. He says, I'll allow you to have, to eat, if you will, of hidden manna. Not the temporal, but the eternal. The eternal. And it's reserved for those. It's reserved for those who enter into the divine presence of the Lord. Because it's within the Ark of the Covenant, within the holies of holies. It's reserved, if you will, for those who are among the classification of True worshipers. Someone say amen. How many ever remember the story of Dagon and the false god Dagon in 1 Samuel chapter number 5? You remember Dagon that whenever it was brought before the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant rather was put in the same building as Dagon that whenever they rose the next morning Dagon would be cast down. Amen. And somebody, according to the scripture, would come along and take that, that idol Dagon and they would pick him back up and make him back erect. Amen. And put him back together. But there was a final time, the Bible says, that Dagon fell down and even he was cut off from the stump. Amen. On which he sat on. And I come to tell us here this evening that the same is true for our lives no matter how many times at times we, we whip something and we have victory over something it seems like there's always a force that comes along and sets that thing back up in our life. That sets it back up again to resist us. But I have good news for us this evening. If you can keep whatever that thing is in the presence of the Lord. If you can keep that thing whatever it is Dagon around the Ark of the Covenant. There will be a day that God will do the undoing if you will of whatever that thing is that tries to have power and force in your life. What are you saying then tonight brother? I'm saying this folks. There are things that enters into our life that causes havoc, turmoil and challenges even in our Christian life but the victory in that comes by keeping a true line of worship with the Lord. You go on and bring whatever it is back to the presence of the house of God and you surrender your all and your bowing and your falling down before the Lord and there will be a day in the future it won't have the upper hand like it used to have five months ago because it cannot stand in the presence of the Lord someone say amen as long as the ark remained there didn't matter how many times they would set it back up it would fall again and eventually it was destroyed so to speak without repair because it was in the presence of the Lord. In Exodus 23, Israel is encouraged not to bow down to, not to serve, not to worship other gods. Worship is not necessarily something you do with your mouth. 
Worship is not necessarily something you do with your hands. To worship basically means this. It means to bow. It means to revere. It means to prostrate yourself flat before the Lord. So they were not to bow down or serve or worship other gods. And it goes ahead to describe all of the perks that are associated with worship unto God. Did you know there were perks associated with worshiping God? There's perks associated with beholding God in awe and wonder. There's perks associated with bowing down to Him. This is what the Bible says in Exodus 23 and verse 24. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. Look at verse 25. And ye shall serve the Lord your God. You shall serve him, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee, and there shall nothing cast they're young, nor be barren in thy land. And the number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Someone say amen. He says, if you'll serve me. The bowing down, the worship, it all ties in right there. If you'll serve me, if you'll worship me, I'll bless your bread and your water. There'll be provision. You won't have to be fearful about not having food on the table. He says, if you'll worship me, I'll take sickness away from you. I'll take sickness away from you. There's none going to be barren. There's none going to cast their young. Amen. The number of your days will I fulfill. Amen. If you'll just worship me. Now folks, those are some pretty heavy promises. Those are some pretty heavy securities. Amen. Reserved for those that will lend some proper worship unto the Lord. Amen. But what we understand is this, that the lasting victory for the children of Israel was capsulated, if you will, in their true worship and their allegiance, in their bowing down into the true God and understand this tonight and, and please I don't want nobody to get to get any feathers ruffled here but praise will not give you lasting victory praise will not give you lasting victory because praise is momentary praise has to do with things that are momentary praise has to do with the blessing praise has to do with what God did for you but worship can have lasting victory because worship is about something that is everlasting. Worship is about something eternal. Praise has to do with what God did, but worship has to do with who God is, and that changes not. That's the same as it was yesterday, as it is today, as it will be tomorrow. And so worship can give lasting victory because it's connected to something that's everlasting. What happens, what takes place in your life, it may come and go, but God stays. He remains. He says in verse 20, in verse 17 of chapter 24, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire. On the top of the mountain, the eyes of the children 
of Israel. Those who were on the peripheral of worship. Those who were stationed at the greatest distance, if you will, as worshipers. They said when we looked up to the top of the mount where Moses was, where he was in close worship, he says, we perceived the glory of the Lord like a devouring fire. He says, us being at further distance from his presence, his glory looked to us like a devouring fire. But Moses, from his perspective, being as close as he could be from God, understood that God was giving him a, a, a pattern to a tabernacle so that God could come down and dwell among his people. Those that were at distance said that looks like a devouring fire. Moses who was close said it looks like God wants to come down and visit and have relationship. That's two different dynamics and it's all based upon what their station was concerning their worship. One said he looks like a destroyer. Moses said he looks like a savior. They say he looked like he's trying to hurt us. Moses said no, he's trying to help us. They're looking like they, he wants to get rid of us. Moses says no, he wants to be with us. It's all about where your station of worship is at. Quite frankly, I believe that's totally how two people can leave the same service and one will have this opinion about the service and another will have that opinion about the service. And what it all is about is not really the service itself, but it's about their perspective, where they are from in their station of worship, whether that at a distance or whether they are close. The one at a distance will say, boy, that was a power of God. Boy, that was a great sermon. Boy, those musicians really sang and I felt the anointing of the Lord. The other one at a distance might say, I didn't really feel anything. It really didn't do much for me. I don't know I was even there. I tell you what that comes down to. It comes down to a station of worship. You'll, you'll interpret God as a devouring fire far from him. But if you'll get close to him, you'll understand he's loving, he's compassionate, and he's really longing for relationship. It's all about what your station is. There are chapters, chapters, seven chapters filled with details about what God shared with Moses while he was on the mount. Seven chapters filled with details about what Moses went away with from his near worship experience with God. And I'll state this. Listen to Pastor tonight. When you cultivate when you develop that near worship experience with God, you'll be misunderstood by those who are on the perimeter worshiping Him at a distance. You'll hear, I don't see what the big deal is. I don't understand why they think they got to be there every service. 
When you seek a near, a near worship experience with God, you'll be misunderstood by those that are far from God. And folks, let me tell you, we can't even pretend to think that they should be able to understand what we're talking about. If they've never been on the mount, if they've never been in his presence, if they've never been in close proximity to him. So it's amen. The Bible says in Exodus 32 and verse 1, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount. And I could hear it modern day. I mean, I could really hear it modern day. Well, they spent a lot of time over there at the church. And where'd they go? They stay for an hour and a half. Yeah, glory. They'll show up for Wednesday, Wednesday Bible study and then prayer on Thursday and then go to a game night with each other on Fridays. People saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, but people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. And Aaron said unto them, and, and said unto him, now Aaron is not at the, per, the peripheral but he, he had been at that far off place they come to him and say make us gods which shall go before us for as for this Moses the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt we want not what has become of him modern day terminology he's so heavenly minded he's no earthly good Well, I can't talk to pastor because, bless God, all he thinks about is the Bible and going to church. Mm, someone say, mm. they said, make us gods that would go before us because we don't know what's become of him. We don't know what's become of him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone say yes. yes. See, a near worship experience like Moses had got him beyond the outskirts of the cloud. It got him in the cloud. It got Moses in the midst of the cloud, the Bible says. At the afar off worship place, the people saw where God stood and they understood that it was a heavenly place. But from their peripheral worship, they just ate there and they just drank there. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, and they had, if you will, a certain mode of fellowship. The eating and drinking always denotes fellowship. I hope it still does today, but denotes fellowship. Fellowship, a certain amount of fellowship with God. But Moses went beyond mere fellowship. Near worship experience will take you beyond fellowship with God. Near worship experience took Moses from fellowship to revelation. Oh, yeah. It took him from, honey, I can show up at a place and eat and drink with somebody I don't know from Adam and have quote-unquote fellowship. 
I've done it on many occasions. You have fellowship. You make small talk. You get to know a little bit about the life, so on and so forth. But it's just very, very on the surface. It's, it's just right there on the surface. It's, it's very generic. Amen. I, I, a few years ago, my wife had her, her I was going to say family reunion, but it was a high school reunion. Went there. I didn't know any of those folks. Amen. But I made conversation and had fellowship, so to speak, with some of them, just speaking in very generalities and on generic terms. And that's the type of relationship. That's the type of a, 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 a at this peripheral worship experience that the nation of Israel had with God. They only had fellowship. But Moses went beyond fellowship and entered into revelation because he started to understand what God liked and what God didn't like. What God desired, what God loved, what God hated, what God, what God expected. Let me bring the modern terms. When, and this is not this is not, this is just me. Modern terms for you. Our minds can get a hold of it. He knew when God's birthday was, when his anniversary was, what his favorite holiday was. If he had a pet, what color his socks he liked. If he liked to be hot or cold in the house. You understand what I'm talking about? That goes beyond just a little surface generic learning. Amen. At a meal, we're talking about revelation. Someone say yes. So as we grow in the worship experience, we all we all make the way from the outside in. We all make the, the transition that he was a devouring fire, but the closer we get to him and then we have fellowship that we come to a place of revelation. And in that revelation then, in that spot of, of, of true near worship comes our wholehearted faithfulness and commitment. And it's then that we find in our near worship experience with God that God doesn't want to devour us as much as he wants to devour certain aspects about us. That's the reason why I told you earlier, you have Dagon sitting around, that's all right, and he, you push him down and he comes back up, just go closer in your worship experience with God because God will take care of it because God's not wanting to devour you. He's wanting to devour some aspects about you that always try to rear their head back up in your life. Some uh, addictions and thought processes and, and inconsistencies and uncommitments. He... That's the reason why your adversary is to the best of his ability trying to keep you on the peripheral concerning your worship, on the peripheral concerning your awe and wonder of the master. Because if he can keep you on the peripheral, you'll do what you do, but still contend with uncommitment and unfaithfulness and addictions in your life. But if you get close in a close relationship, God will start being a devouring fire, if you will, for those that come and try to usurp the authority. Someone say glory. He wants to dwell. He wants to dwell among us. And just as a side note, I really don't know if anything's going to work up here. All right. Just for everybody. I don't know if anything's going to work. It really ain't so much about the floor. You get a hold of this thing and you punch that and you do. I mean, I could pick this thing up and throw it. You understand what I'm saying? 
So we just need a five-pound glass in there probably to hold some water. John 4, thank you for indulging me for my commercial. John 4, verse 22. Jesus says to the woman at the well, he says, ye worship, ye know not what. He says, ye worship, ye know not what. He says, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Being the master, I love him. He purposefully ties worship with salvation. With salvation because the father of the Jews, Abraham, was originally a part of an adulterous family. In other words, Abraham was really good at this worshiping thing. Whether it's worshiping idol, worshiping God, whatever, it's still worship. Being all in wonder of whatever the object is. Bowing, prostrating, lowering yourself in the presence of whatever the object is. Abraham was really good at this worshiping thing. He just needed an adjustment on the object of his worship. as I said this morning I think this is where it's at I think we got a great group of worshipers I think we got a great group of worshipers everybody's like uh huh yeah but all we need is an adjustment sometimes on what the object I guarantee you we got great worshipers. I see people spend time doing all kinds of things. Investing money in all kinds of things. Exerting energy for all kinds of things. Oh, sometimes it's not the thing that needs to be. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. (laughs) And as a result of all this, as a result, the salvation then of the Jewish people. Listen to it for a moment. The salvation of the Jewish people was based upon a heathen man that was a worshiping heathen man. But he was worshiping false gods. It was based upon a heathen worshiper getting his object of worship right. Salvation was upon a man getting the object of his worship right. Someone say glory. Hallelujah. The Bible says in John 17 and 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Folks, we are living in a day that many movements today are, are, are acquainting people with principles. They're acquainting people with precepts. They're acquainting people with provisions and with promises. But none of that in this life is eternal. Life eternal is knowing the one true God in the person of Jesus Christ. Wipe it all the rest away. The only eternal thing is Him. Someone say Amen. I got to skip some stuff. I got too much here. I really do. I'm so wore out from this morning. One more. Exodus 32, 32. It says, yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, 
And if not, this is Moses. He says, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Exodus 32. Aaron made that God for him. They fell down and they bowed and they prostrated themselves before it. They worshipped it. All kinds of things took place. There are people sleeping around with each other whenever Moses got down to the base of the mount. All kinds of hideous stuff that took place. And so here, God was thinking, you know, I'm going to destroy these people. I created man before. I'd do it again if I got to. I'm going to take care of this. But Moses said, if you, if, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, he says, blot me, I pray thee. Out of thy book which thou hast written. He says, if you don't take care of their sin, he said, then you take me out. You know what God does? He doesn't take Moses out. But he forgives their sin. And here should be something very impactful for our minds. Because God would rather bear our sin than the loss of our worship. He would rather take the sin, and he did, of the world upon his shoulders than he would to lose a worshiper. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. And so Moses interceded for the people of Israel. Amen. And the Bible says it's in that moment. This is one of the times that this occurred, and it always baffles me every time I read it, every year in my Bible reading, that the Bible said, The Lord hearkened unto me. Moses was the one speaking the Lord hearkened unto Moses man that is so just profound to me I know it might not be to you but God would hearken to the voice of a man or more specifically that God would hearken to the voice of a worshiper every I mean I'm telling you the truth every I I underline in my Bibles and make notes every year and I always start with a fresh Bible every year so I'm just not sucked in the same old passages I hate to tell you every year when that comes up I'm still underlined because I'm thinking my goodness the voice of a man but not just a man the voice of a worshiping man got the attention of God in so much that he would hearken you say, Brother McGee, it just seems like I can't get the I just can't get the attention of God. Honey, if you'll go down and you'll bow and you'll prostrate yourself and you'll be awestruck by his majesty and his presence, you'll get the ear of God. I'm gonna be drawn close unto him. Bible says in Matthew 26 in verse number 6 now when Jesus was in Bethany Matthew 26 6 now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box a very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat but when his disciples saw it they had in indignation saying to what purpose is this waste disciples question was what purpose to what purpose is this waste see this is how perspectives are different between the ones that are close and the ones that are set out a little further distance than being close. They viewed what was taking place as waste. But she and he 
was viewing it as worship. They want to know what the purpose was. What's the reason for doing this? Had they missed something? Had something just taken place? Did Jesus do something for her? What's going on? What's the purpose? What's the reason? Didn't have to have a reason. That's praise. He, she recognized whoo, that this was God Almighty in the flesh. She, because no man, no one was to receive worship but God. That is biblical truth. No man was to receive worship but God. And so we see over and over again Jesus Christ receiving worship. That's because he was God manifested in the. And this little girl understood that well. He didn't do anything. I'm not here to praise. I'm here to worship. I understand he's God. Well, why are they there? Why are they, folks? Sometimes we come in here. It's not because the money got in the bank for the bill. It's not because God healed our body. It's not because, you know, someone showed up on time when we had a flat along the side of the road. But sometimes we show up in here and maybe there's not much praise going over our lips, but there can always be heartfelt worship that takes place because regardless of it all, God's still God and that don't ever change. Someone say glory. He says then in Matthew 26 of the harmony of this very story in verse number 13. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. So Jesus is letting them know, boys, what you're describing as waste has such a long shelf life. It's so pervasive that it's going to spread beyond the certain region into the whole world where the gospel is preached. This also is going to be spoken everywhere. And it's going to serve as a memorial for her even when she's dead. Whenever the worms are eating up her body in the ground, this story, this whole occurrence, still going to be spoken of. It's still going to be talked about. It's still going to be told. And I believe what Jesus is trying to relay to those disciples and those that were gathered in earshot was basically this. He wanted them to know that her worship will outlast her life. You can serve a Sunday school class and be a teacher. Sad thing is, whenever you die, that dies with you, except for whatever you invested a seed in the lives of those kids. Even as a pastor, amen, preaching all these years, there's someday no one's going to know the name of Paul McGee, not going to know whatever I did here at 1121, uh, evangelism, won't know any of that stuff. The memory of me will die, but there's something I can invest in while I'm upon this earth that will outlive my life and outlive the life of my children, and it's called worship. If I can honor him, if I can be all struck by him, my worship will outlive my life. Honey, I want to get in a close worship experience with the Lord your worship will outlive you (sighs) 
I'm skipping some stuff. I'm coming to a close. You'll stand with me. figure I got some remainder. I held you for about 55 minutes this morning when it was all said and done, so I'll give you back a little bit. Worship. Again, worship isn't necessarily something that's flowing over your lips and what you say. There's several verses the word of God that command praise in scripture it really is but when we start to talk about worship worship is an act of our will it is in my easiest way of defining it's, it's love that's responding to love The psalmist David said it like this in Psalms 95 and verse number 6. He said, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Look now, today, if you will hear his voice. Whenever you enter the house of God and you're praising God and you're verbal with that praise, many times you do not hear his voice because your voice bellowing out in praise it seems as though that in praise seems to be when the bridegroom is hearing the voice of the bride but things get changed up when we enter into worship we're not necessarily saying anything but worship we're doing that bowing we're doing that reverence we're being in awe of who God is in those moments that the bride hears the voice of the groom no wonder that Jesus told the church of Lady Osea in Revelation 3 that church that thought that they were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing but they were in fact blind, miserable and poor told them he said behold I stand at the door and knock he says if any man hear my voice if any man would hear my voice what are you saying he said I just need somebody to pause and draw near and worship so they can hear what I'm saying. Moses, how much 
But if you got penciled down concerning the pattern to the tabernacle and the law and the commands of God and the manners and ways that God desired for people to worship Him concerning the sacrifice and offer, how much would you have gotten down if you never gave Him a chance to speak? And the best chance for Him to speak to you is in your posture of worship. Your posture of worship. I'm asking us here this evening as an assembly don't remain on the peripheral. Don't even remain at a distance that's at a far place. And I'm not talking necessarily that this altar is where God resides. <laughs> He's everywhere. But what we need to do is just to bow ourselves and be in awe of the presence of the Lord. And allow Him to speak some things into our life. Because it will change our perspective then of Him. It will change our perspective of going to church. It will change our perspective of what we do when we're here. If we can just get in a close, near position of worship unto the Lord. Can we find a place right now? I'm not so much tonight interested in what's going to come across your lips as I am what's going to come across your heart. Not so much interested in what you're going to say as in what you are going to think and what you're going to allow him to speak unto you. I'm just asking you to be in awe. Pow down. Revere. Respect. The glory and the presence of the almighty God. He's not a devouring fire. No, he wants to be in relationship with you sir he wants to be in relationship with you ma'am hallelujah it's all about where your perspective is set from your station of worship I, I just don't understand the Lord get close to him <laughs> get close to him I just, I just don't understand sometimes the way things happen the way they do in my life or what he's doing get close to him get close to him and worship Get close, close to him and just bow before him. Allow him to put his fingerprint upon your life. His fingerprint upon your heart. His fingerprint upon your mind. Oh, can we come before the Lord right now and do that? Hallelujah. I can't command it from you. It's an act of your will. But Oh, Lord. I want to be mindful of the Lord. That's really what worship comes down to. And I say that phrase a lot in my prayer. Even around here, oftentimes I say, oh, let's be mindful of the Lord. That really it just connects wholeheartedly with worship. Just being mindful of Him. Who He is. Who He is. Just the grandeur of Himself all by Himself. Wow. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.